You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians, if you would, this morning. We've uh, been going through verse by verse through the book of Ephesians for a while. We took a break uh, during the uh, Christmas season to uh, take a look at our new series entitled Regift. And so we find ourselves back in the book of Ephesians to talk about forgiveness today. Uh, we've been taking a look over the last couple of weeks at the gifts that we've received from God and the way we're uh, commanded to pass those on to other people, uh, hence the idea of regifting. And today we're taking a look at regifting forgiveness. And so uh, Ephesians chapter 4 is where we find ourselves this morning. If you missed any of the message so far, you can always get caught up on our website at whoecala.org uh, or subscribe to our podcast. Uh, we also have a smartphone app you can download to your phone. Uh, listen to it that way. We also have a channel on SoundCloud if you want to do it that way. Uh, multiple ways you can get caught up if you missed any of the messages so far. Uh, first week we took a look at regifting love. Uh, last week we took a look at regifting grace. Today we're taking a look at regifting forgiveness. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse number 25 uh, here this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Uh, as a kid, I grew up in church my whole life, and uh, I remember as a, as a young boy, remember my Sunday school teacher telling us about the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. It actually comes from uh, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would do, would that men should do to you, do ye even unto them also, for this is the law and the prophet. So Jesus says, hey, the way that you would want other people to treat you, that's the way that you should treat others. Uh, we sometimes refer to that as the golden rule. As a kid, in my mind, I processed it like this. Do unto others as they do unto you. You see the breakdown there? It's just, uh, it wasn't the idea of treating people the way you wanted to be treated. It's treat the people the way that you were treated. Uh, and so it's always about getting even. Uh, and even as a kid, I can remember th uh, things like kickball, uh, when we play uh, kickball or dodgeball in school. When we play kickball, I'd always aim for the head. Uh, whenever we, in kickball, you know, they'd say, oh, don't aim at the head. Dodgeball, always aim at the head. And it was worse because uh, when you get hit uh, by a girl, you'd want to get revenge that way, and you'd always try to throw it harder. Even if it was a girl, there's absolutely no rules whatsoever when you want to get even. But what you find is you get a little bit older and move from things like uh, being hurt in kickball or dodgeball to being hurt emotionally being damaged emotionally, that we realize that the idea of getting even doesn't really bring any type of finality to the situation. It doesn't bring the whole thing full circle. It doesn't bring the, uh, the need that we have to bring this situation to completion. But forgiveness does. You see, the Bible commands us in this case that we're to forgive the way that we ourselves have been forgiven. The Bible says that you and I have broken God's law from the very uh, earliest age that we can imagine. The Bible says that we come forth from our mother's womb speaking lies, that we're born into this world at odds with God, enemies with God, sinning against God, uh, re rebels to God's plan, God's guidelines. And because of that, uh, the Bible says that we have been declared sinners. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse number 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is part of our failure as human beings is that God has a standard that he wants set and we all fall short of that. Now, whether you fall five feet or five million miles short of God's plan, we all fall short. We've all sinned against God. We've all gone our own way. 
And because of that, the Bible says that there's a price tag associated with our sin. Sin always has consequences. I was talking with a friend yesterday and we were talking about the far-reaching effects of sin and how when we think of sin, we think our sin only affects us. I can do what I want. It's my life. I can mess it up if I want to. But every single person is connected to another person. Every single life touches another life. And my sin has a far-reaching effect on others. But the greatest consequence of my sin, the Bible says, is death. Romans chapter six, verse number 23. For the wages of sin is death. That means I'm gonna die physically one day, but I'm also going to die spiritually one day. There's gonna come a day where we will all have to stand before God and give an account of our life, and God won't have this scale where he outweighs our good versus our bad and see which one uh, tips the scale. No, the Bible says that we will all be found in our own flesh short of God's glory. Here's the problem. If you and I die in our sin, if you and I die with our sin on our account, we'll be separated from God forever in a place called hell. That's not a popular message. That's not a comforting message, but that's the truth. We all have earned our place, not in heaven. We've earned our spot in hell because regardless of how good we try to be, we fall short of God's expectation of us. But here's the good news about that. God loves you. God doesn't want to be separated from you forever. God doesn't want you to die and go to hell. He wants to make a way for you to make things right with him. And so God has sent his son. That's why we celebrate Christmas. The birth of Christ was the beginning of the redemption of mankind. God sent his son to be born in a manger, to live a perfectly sinless life for about 33 years or so. And then he died on a cross to pay for my sin and pay for yours. His death upon the cross, his blood that was shed would cover the sins of all those that would believe in him. And he made a way for us to come to him. And God says this to you today. God says this to all of mankind. If you will come to me and seek forgiveness, I will forgive your sins, not because of who you are, but because of what Jesus has done. We can't come to God based on how good we are. We can't come to God and say, hey God, I've been in church for the last six weeks, haven't missed a single day. I've prayed most of the days throughout the week and I've read my Bible once throughout the week. Is that gonna get me to heaven? Couldn't even get you close to heaven because it's not based on what you've done, it's based on what Jesus has done. Well, can I be forgiven because I'm really trying to turn my life around? Can I be forgiven because I'm really trying to do better? I'm working harder? No, it doesn't work that way either because you're not forgiven based on what you've done, but based on what Jesus has done. This will be very important later, so make note of that. You're not forgiven based on what you've done. You're, based, you're forgiven based on what Jesus has already done for you in your place. But you see, everyone must be forgiven. Otherwise, that sin debt is still on your account. Think of it this way. It's like a bank account or a credit card account where you have a debt that you owe that you have to pay. Either you can pay it or Jesus can pay it for you. But somebody's got to pay. If you die in your sin debt, the only way to pay for that is to be separated from God forever. But God wants to forgive your debt today. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, please don't leave here without knowing for sure that your sin debt is forgiven, paid for by Jesus, and that heaven is your home. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. When my sin debt was forgiven, that I asked God for forgiveness and I turned from my sin and turned to Jesus, my sin was forgiven based on what Jesus had done and that day I was what the Bible called saved. Everyone must be saved. Uh, another synonymous Bible term for the word saved is the word born again. Jesus says in John chapter three, no man shall enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You have to be saved to go to heaven and Jesus is the only way that you can be saved. But here's the thing, God wants to forgive you and forgive your sin. Not one time, but every time. You see, we sometimes look at the forgiveness of God as that thing that I needed at one time to get out of the mess that I was in. We sometimes look at God's forgiveness as that thing that I needed one time to be saved. No, no, no. We need God's forgiveness on a continual day-to-day -day basis because I don't know about you, but for me, I fall short not that one time in high school. I fall short just about every single day. I don't need forgiveness for that thing that I did one time when I was in college. I need forgiveness for the things that I did today, yesterday, the day before that. So God's forgiveness is not thing, something that we run to one time. It's something that we run to continually. 
And if you are gonna be a mature Christian, you need to become a professional repenter. I need to continually come back to God and say, God, I've messed up. God, I've blown it. God, I'm trying to turn this thing around. I need your help for that. And God promises. One of the great promises from God's word is if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That if I confess my sin to God once, he promises to cleanse me from that sin. And the Bible says he casts it as far as the east is from the west and he remembers it no more. All this is very important because the Bible says this is the pattern for the way that you and I forgive others. The way that Jesus has done it for us, that's the way we get to forgive others. You see, there's a predictable path of unforgiveness that we find in life. First of all, the first thing that happens is we're hurt. Every single person at some point receives something that they don't think that they deserve and they are hurt. Many times we try to brush it off. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Guys are really good at this. I'm fine. I'm tough. I've been through harder things like this before in my life, you know? And we try to, to cover it up and act like we're not really hurt. It doesn't really bother us. It's fine. It's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to forget that that ever happened. I'm just going to go on. I'm just going to pretend like I didn't see that. I'm going to pretend like I didn't hear that. I'm just going to go on. And we're hurt. And how we process this will determine whether we find healing or deeper hurt then at that point, we feel like the offending party owes us something. <clears throat> the person who has injured us, whether it's something that they said, whether it's something that they did, we now feel that this person owes us something. Now, when somebody hurts us, what's one of the first things you think of that they owe us? Somebody help me with that. An apology. They need to tell me that they're sorry for what they've done. They now owe me something. What else do they, might somebody owe us? Restitution, I heard that word. Somebody said restitution, I like that. Somebody needs to pay up for what they've done. Somebody needs to make this right. And you see, to forgive removes the opportunity of payback, revenge, or some type of restitution. If I'm gonna forgive somebody, in our minds, we're thinking, we're just letting them off the hook for this. If I forgive that person for what they said, if I forgive that person for the way that they hurt me, if I forgive that person for what they've done, then we're just letting them off the hook and they're just gonna continue to walk all over me. So I'm gonna hang on to my unforgiveness. I'm not giving them a pass. I'm not giving them a free ride. I'm not gonna let that go because somebody needs to pay for this. And we create our own sense of justice, our own system of the way that things need to be made right. And until the offending party pays, we withhold something from them. Hey, they're gonna make this right. They're gonna fix this. And until they do, I'm going to withhold something from them. Now, what are some of the things that we withhold from people who have wronged us? Love. Well, the first things you think of, I know what I should do, but I'm not gonna do that. You know why? Because they don't deserve it. They've hurt me. What else do we withhold? What's that? Kindness. What else? Respect. What else? Anybody else withhold their words? <laughs> I'm just not talking to them. I'm just gonna act like they don't exist. I, I've, I've had marriage counseling before with couples, and they say, well, you know, he got mad the other day and hasn't spoken to me. How long ago was that? Two weeks ago. You guys haven't spoken in two weeks? That's terrible. No wonder you're sitting in front of your pastor and needing marriage counseling. If you haven't talked in two weeks, that's a serious problem. What happened? Somebody got hurt and they withheld love, affection, kindness, respect, words, whatever it is from another person. I've seen... Uh, People get upset with their parents and withhold their uh, grandkids from, from being able to talk to their parents because they're mad at them for some reason. But the idea with unforgiveness is this, you owe me something and until you pay up, I'm gonna keep what I have from you. And we think that we're right by doing this. You see, pride and a sense of justice keeps us from being able to forgive. I deserve 
to have this person make that right. They owe me. You don't understand how deeply hurt I am by this. You don't understand what they've done to me. You don't understand how I feel, and they need to make this right. The problem with this is my peace is now resting on the actions or feelings of another person. And that person now has control over me. Think about that for a second. If I'm waiting until someone else apologizes to me, if I'm waiting until someone makes this right or brings restitution to this situation, and until then, I'm going to withhold from them kindness and love. I'm going to withhold my uh, just friendship from them. That person now holds power over me. And here's the worst part about it, friend. I'm going to help you with this this morning because I love you. Oftentimes, the people that have hurt you and you're raging inside about how you feel and how deeply you've been hurt and you want so badly for the other person to make this right, you know, oftentimes, the other person really doesn't care. It doesn't affect them. They sleep well at night. They're not concerned about you. They're not skipping meals because they can't eat because they're so upset about this situation. They've moved on, and the person left with the hurt is you. And oftentimes what this causes people to do is to dig in deeper with their hurt and their anger. I don't see how he can just go on like this never happened. I don't see how she could just move on and act like life is okay now. I don't know how someone could treat another person like that and then just go on. Guess what? The other person's gone on and the person left with the hurt is you. What do you do with that? How do we move past that? How do we keep from becoming bitter? The Bible gives us clear guidelines. You see, when we're unforgiving, we walk in the flesh. When unforgiveness gets a hold of us, our flesh comes out and our flesh shows itself. Turn a few pages back in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 should be circled, starred, underlined in your Bible. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, here's what comes out. It's all really good stuff. But if you back up to verse number 19, you find the fruit of the flesh. What happens when you are walking in your flesh? And this is what happened when you and I hang on to unforgiveness. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. It's, it's no coincidence that the first four sins listed here when we walk in the flesh are sexual sins. Verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such the like of which I've told you before, so I've told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's interesting that he goes through wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, then he goes on to envies, murders, and drunkenness. You say, well, I wouldn't kill anybody. You know what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? If you look at your brother with hatred and you call him an ugly name, you've already committed murder in your heart. And this is what happens when we're hurt. When we're damaged, we dig in deeper and hatred begins to take root in us. And then it goes on to say uh, in verse number 21, murderers, drunkenness, and revelings. Isn't it amazing that when people get hurt, they generally tend to self-medicate in some way or another? I can't tell you how many people I've seen uh, go into a, a lifestyle of drunkenness or sexual immorality because of the hurt that they have in their heart. I can't tell you how many people I've seen self-medicate with bad relationships. I've seen people self-medicate with work. I'm so hurt, I'm so angry that I'm just gonna dive into my work because at least I'm good at something. And we begin to cover up the hurt with other kinds of junk. And our life becomes to get more and more and more destructive. You know what the worst part about all of this is? You're the one that was hurt through this. But now you're the one that's choosing to self-destruct. Because friend, when we are hurt, we always have a choice as far as what we do with the hurt that we receive. And when we hang on to that unforgiveness, we begin to walk in the flesh. When we hang on to anger, bitterness comes. 
If we don't resolve our anger, the, it grows into a bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14 says, follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You know what the Bible says? When bitterness comes up in you, it doesn't just ruin you, it ruins everybody around you. How many of you have ever been around a bitter person before? Hmm, real pleasure to be around, aren't they? No, everything stinks to them. Everything's terrible to them. Everybody's done them wrong. Nobody can be trusted. Man, I've seen, I can't tell you how many people before have said, uh, you know, like, oh, marriage is such a sham. Marriage is such a joke. Marriage is a lie. Just like, well, we know what happened to you, right? Men can't be trusted. Men are dirty, rotten scoundrels. Women are only after one thing, your money. It's just like, hey, chill out with that, right? Somebody's hanging on to some bitterness because of some past hurt. And when bitterness comes, everyone around us pays the price. Ephesians chapter 4 it tells us that we looked at this morning, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You see, bitterness bleeds over into all other relationships. We think to ourselves by hanging on to our anger, by hanging on to our unforgiveness that we're really gonna show this other person how it feels. We're gonna try to injure this person, but the problem is, is it really only causes ourself more grief. It only causes the people around us that we truly love more grief. The people around you who love you and support you and are for you, your bitterness causes them hurt. And it spills over into every other relationship that we have in our life. You see, harboring anger and bitterness doesn't ever teach anybody a lesson. Harboring anger and bitterness doesn't ever get revenge or even the score or make things right. It only makes things worse. And I would be foolish to think that just because you come to church on a Sunday morning and we're all here and we all sing songs about Jesus this morning, there's not somebody in this room that's not hanging on to a little bit of anger and bitterness this morning. And I wanna challenge you with this, let go of it because you're hurting yourself and you're hurting the people that love you. And the person who has hurt you deserves no more power over you. The person who has hurt you does not have the right to take your joy, which is precisely what happens when we give into unforgiveness, anger, and bitterness. You see, bitterness destroys everything, everything. It's been said before that bitterness is like drinking a poison and hoping that the other person dies. It doesn't hurt anybody else, it only hurts you. And friend, know this, you will never, mark this down, you will never, ever, ever have a fulfilling relationship with Jesus Christ while you are hanging on to anger and bitterness. It will never happen. You know why? Because you cannot walk in the flesh and at the same time walk in the spirit. They're opposites. You say, well, you mean I can't walk with Jesus until uh, I heal the hurt that's in my heart? I'm not talking about the hurt. I'm talking about what you do with the hurt. Hey, folks, there's some hurt that's happened in my life that I've carried for years, but I didn't carry the unforgiveness or bitterness with it. I left that behind, dealt with the hurt, and moved on. But that's a choice you have to make. Bitterness is not the answer. Bitterness helps no one. It only destroys everything that you hold dear. So, if we're definitely gonna be hurt, and you will, some of you are gonna be hurt before the sun goes down today. Just know that. Somebody's gonna do you wrong today. Just know that. How do we process it? Hey, if before the week is out this week, somebody does something against you, sins against you, says something to hurt you, does something to hurt you, how are we gonna deal with that this week? The Bible gives us clear guidelines. Turn back to Ephesians chapter four if you're not there already. Ephesians chapter four, the Bible tells us is that Christians are to handle conflict differently than everybody else. Christians play by a different playbook. 
we go abide by a different code of conduct. We play by a separate set of rules than everyone else does. The world's way of dealing with hurt, somebody hurts you, hurt them back. Somebody injures you, injure them back and make it deeper than the way that you were hurt. Get revenge and then you can sit back knowing that everything was handled and taken care of. It never works though. Ephesians chapter four, starting verse 25, we just read it. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth unto his neighbor, for members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So if you want to boil these down, these are in your notes. Don't lie. Don't let your anger cause you to sin. Go to bed with a clear heart. Don't be a taker, but be a giver. Let your words build up, not tear down. Don't let bitterness take root and just forgive like Jesus. You say, well, pastor, that sounds pretty hard. It is. You can't do it on your own. That's why you need the Lord's help to accomplish this. This is not the way that the world deals with problems. You know what they do? They lie. They spin the situation to, to, make it, to present themselves in a favorable light. I can't tell you how many times I've gone through marriage counseling and the wife tells me what's going on in their marriage. I think to myself, your husband is a terrible, despicable human being. I can't believe he did those things. And then I hear the husband's side. And I say, your wife is a terrible, despicable human being. I can't believe she did these things. You know why? Because we always want to present ourselves in a better light. And we're willing to withhold the truth or spin the truth to make us look good. And the Bible says, don't do that. Put away all lying. We're not going to do that. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Before your head hits the pillow tonight, you need to be at peace with God and the other person. And you say, well, what if the other person won't talk to me? We're going to get to that in just a second. What if the other person won't make it right? We're going to talk about that in just a second. But the Bible says, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. To the best of your ability, you need to be at peace with everybody that you can. Now, there are some people who just love drama. There are some people who are addicted to conflict that you just can't have peace with. The Bible's not talking about those people. It's talking about the people that you can't have peace with. Be at peace with them. You see, we treat others not how others have treated us, but how our Father has treated us. Oh, this goes back to that golden rule. I'm not trying to get even with somebody. I'm not trying to treat them the way that they treated me. I'm not trying to have an eye for an eye. I need to remember how my Father treated me. You see, here's the thing about forgiveness. You don't forgive because the other person deserves forgiveness. I'll say that again. You don't forgive because the other person deserves forgiveness. You know why? Because you and I didn't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve to be forgiven for my sin against God. If I tally up the sin of my lifetime, it is egregious sin against the holy God. If I look back at my life and the times that God says go left and I turned right because I just wanted to do my own thing, where God says don't do this, and I said I know what God says, but I just want to do it anyways. And when I blew it, which happens every time, know this, when you disobey God, you will fail 100% of the time. It might go well for a minute, but you will fail, I promise you that. That's why God has guidelines set. And when I, when I failed, and I came back to God and said, God, I'm sorry. You think God sat there with his, his arms crossed? And goes, I told you this was going to happen. Why didn't you just listen to me? You idiot. You should have known better. No, you know what he said? Forgive him. Let's just move on. I hope you learned your lesson from this. He didn't hold it over my head. He didn't have a list of conditions that had to be met before I could come back to him. The Bible promises, again, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All I had to do was say, I'm sorry, and I was forgiven. 
And the Bible says we forgive just like Jesus did. We treat others, not how they've treated us, but how our Father treated us. Because the other person, nine times out of 10, when we're hurt, nine times out of 10, the other person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. But careful with that, because you want to exact your own little vigilante justice on the side. Just know it's going to turn to sin and it's going to hurt you in the long run. God promises to make everything right himself. He says, vengeance is mine. I'll even the score one day. You just worry about you. This is important to get here, folks. Forgiveness is not based on apologies or another's actions. I'm gonna be transparent with you this morning and just tell you a, a story that happened to me. I grew up in a Christian home. We went to church three times a week. Uh, my dad taught a teenager Sunday school class. My mom taught a preaching girls Sunday school class on a Sunday morning. Uh, church, every single time the doors were open, Monday, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, if we had a fish fry on Friday, our family was there setting up for the fish fry and tearing down when it was done. I mean, always at church, always. Uh, my dad was a deacon in our church. Uh, and again, I, I've been to church more than I, than I ever cared to, especially when I was a kid. Uh, far too much church, in my opinion, uh, when I was a kid, of course. Uh, but it was good for me. It brought me to where I'm at today, and I'm thankful for that. But my uh, brother graduated in uh, high school and went, to, went off to college. Uh, I joined the Navy out of high school. And uh, by the time that I left, within about six months, my parents' marriage was in trouble. And um, my parents were married for 32 years. And um, I always thought they had a healthy marriage because I never saw them fight. And what I found was that my dad basically just took his feelings and just stuffed them away and never dealt with conflict when it came up. And how many of you know you can't stuff away your feelings forever because eventually they're going to come out? And they did one day. My mom and dad had gotten into uh, an argument after I'd left the, the house. I was uh, 21 at the time. I'd left, been gone for about three years. Things had been pretty rocky over that three-year period because, again, I want to help you with something. If kids is the only thing that holds your marriage together, the kids are going to leave one day and everything's going to fall apart. So don't let that be the thing that holds your marriage together. My mom and dad got in an argument one morning, one morning. My mom says, well, if you're not happy, you should just leave. And my dad said, okay. And he went to work. And my mom went to work. Mom came home from work, and my dad had cleared out all of his stuff in the house, and he left my mom for another woman. I was devastated because my dad's the one that taught me that one man, one woman for a lifetime is how it's supposed to go. My dad's the one that taught me that God can fix everything. My, God's the one that, my dad's the one that taught, taught me that with God, nothing is impossible. And so here I am, Angela and I were engaged to be married in about a month and a half. And I'm thinking to myself, is everything that I know about God, the Bible, and marriage a lie? I'm being a question a lot. Our wedding day was really awkward because it was the first time my parents had seen each other in months. There was no drama that day. Everything went off without a hitch, but it was really awkward. My dad began to, to, to see another woman, and they made plans to get married and things like that, and I was gutted, devastated. And I didn't know how to process any of it. I tried to talk to him about it, and he would say things like, don't you think I deserve to be happy? You know, I'm just trying to do what makes me happy for once in my life, and things like that. And I was just like, no, it, it doesn't work that way. And my dad went on and married, married another woman. And I was devastated. And I thought, you know what? I don't want any part of that. So I stopped talking to my dad. My dad had been my best friend up to that point. He was the best man in my wedding. And I just stopped talking to my dad because I didn't want any part of that. You've hurt me, and I'm going to show you what it feels like. Birthdays would pass by. I wouldn't call. Christmas, come and go, wouldn't call. Thanksgiving, I'm going to show him one of these days. Went on for about three years, and I just couldn't live with myself. I was angry. I was hurt. I was bitter. And I just kept thinking, if he would just call and say he was sorry, all this would go away. If he would just call and say, Anthony, I messed up, I would forgive him and we could move on. If he would just call and say, I'm sorry that I hurt you, we could just go on with life, but he won't do it. And you know what happened? Somebody had power over me that I had given him. And I heard a really good message on forgiveness, and I'd read through a lot of scripture, and I realized, you know what? I can't wait around for a phone call with an apology. I can't wait another week for somebody to make something right because it's been years now. And I made a decision. I'm going to forgive my dad. 
So call him one day. He said, Dad, I just want to let you know that I've been dealing with hurt and anger and bitterness for years, and I'm tired of it. I can't carry this anymore. And I want you to know that I love you and I forgive you. And he's like, well, you know, if you forgive me, then that means you've got to, you know, accept my new wife and accept my family. I said, Dad, I love you, and I forgive you for what you've done. I just want to move on. And he said, okay. And you know what? Probably about a couple months later, my dad and I had about a three- or four-hour conversation and he told me how broken he was over his sin and how he was sorry and how he was just so grieved that he had hurt me so deeply and how he had damaged our family and he caused me to question my faith and he was so sorry. And, and, but here's the thing. That conversation wasn't the thing that brought healing. Healing came when I decided to forgive. It came months earlier. If I'd never had that conversation with my dad, I would've been A-okay. And I told him that night, Dad, you don't even have to apologize anymore. I've already forgiven you. He goes, no, I wanna say this. If you wanna say it for yourself, that's okay, but just know I hold nothing against you. I'm not mad at you, and I love you, and I've forgiven you. Because I had to. It was killing me. But you see, I didn't know that forgiveness wasn't based on somebody else's actions. I was waiting around for an apology, and that would make everything okay. Friend, that call may never come. Somebody might have hurt you that's already passed away. You're never going to get that apology that you want, but you have to choose to forgive. You have to forgive because if you don't, it turns to anger, it turns to bitterness, hurts everybody around you. Forgiveness doesn't condone the other person's behavior. It doesn't say what you did was okay. Well, if I forgive them, then they'll just think what they did was okay. That's not what forgiveness does. Again, we have to go back to, we're for, to forgive the way that Jesus forgives us. When you sin against God and you say that you're sorry and you seek forgiveness, God doesn't say, well, that doesn't make what you did right. He just says, hey, forgiven. You know what you did was wrong. You're just forgiven. And my forgiveness for another person doesn't condone what they did, doesn't say that it's okay, doesn't say that what you did was all right. Forgiveness, here's another important one. Forgiveness doesn't mean that it won't happen again. I wish we could just forgive once and then we would never be hurt by this person ever again. But just know this, in the sinful world that we live in, you're gonna get hurt again and again and again. And forgiveness is not to say that this person, this person won't hurt you again. That's why Peter said to Jesus, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Like seven and Jesus says, uh, no, try seven times 70. 490 times you get to forgive. And the idea wasn't that we keep a tick mark in the back of our uh, Bible for how many times this person has wronged us. And at, at 400 and, uh, uh, you know, 88, we give them a two-person warning, you know, you get two more times, you get a chance. No, the idea is this, that you just forgive about, forget about it and just move on. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. This is important. Well, I just don't think I can ever forget what happened to me. Nobody ever said you had to forget. Forgiveness is not forgetting what the other person's done. Friend, if you've had some type of deep hurt in your life, you're never gonna forget it, but you can choose to forgive and not feel those feelings any longer. Think about it this way. Jordan, Jordan's a friend of mine. Jordan says, Pastor, I'm running a little bit short on my bills this month. I need to borrow 200 bucks. I love Jordan to death. Jordan, here's $200. Hey, pay me back when you get a chance. Jordan says, Pastor, I'm gonna pay you back next Sunday morning. I promise you, promise you, promise you next Sunday morning. Great. I see Jordan on next Sunday morning, and he says, Pastor, I totally forgot. I forgot to give you that money back. I'm gonna get you next week because I didn't get a chance to go to the ATM. No problem, Jordan. I love you. We're friends. Next week, I see Jordan. He's just like, oh, you're not ever gonna believe this. I had a flat tire. I had to use the money I was gonna give you to change my flat tire. I'm totally gonna pay you next week. Jordan, no sweat. Next week, I see Jordan, and Jordan runs the other way when he sees me. He doesn't even come talk to me. I, I want to see if Jordan go, wants to go grab lunch sometime, and he won't answer my phone calls anymore. He sends me straight to voicemail. He doesn't even come to church here anymore because he doesn't want to see my face because he owes me. And I say to Jordan, hey, Jordan, this thing's caused some awkwardness between us. You don't owe me anything. I forgive you. The debt that you had is forgiven. You don't owe me a dollar. We're good. And he says, you really mean that, Pastor? I totally mean that, Jordan. Great. I see him the next week at church. I go give him a hug. He's like, Pastor, I can't believe you forgave me. Thank you for doing that. I'm a little bit short on my bills again this month. And 
Jordan, I forgive you. You don't owe me anything. But we're not going to do this again. Are you with me? That's what forgiveness is. Hey, if someone has hurt me deeply, and I'm not talking about in marriage because in marriage deep hurt happens and you need to be vulnerable and allow somebody to do that again. But when you talk about people who have been uh, sexually violated by a family member, it's not forgiving and forgetting, it's forgiving and protecting. Hey, you have someone who has gone through some type of abuse, it's not allowing the abuse to continue. It's about protecting yourself from being abused again. And again, I'm not talking about my spouse was mean to me and so I'm gonna put up these walls and boundaries so that they can never hurt me. I'm not talking about that. That's the opposite of what we're talking about. But forgiving does not necessarily mean that I'm going to forget the hurt because chances are you're not gonna be able to forget it. But you know what you can do? You can ask God to replace the feelings that you have in your heart with his love, his peace, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. You can do that. Time doesn't heal all wounds. We sometimes have this idea, if we just forget about it, it'll go away. It never goes away. Again, I was kind of hoping the situation that happened with my dad would eventually go away at some point. It never did. I thought maybe the years that pass would cloud my memory of the hurt that I have, but you know what it did? It made it worse. And the fact that my own father could go years without talking to his son, in my mind, that was inconceivable. Again, for me, at the time, I was a young father at the time. I had small kids, and I thought to myself, if my dad loved me the way that I loved my own kids, he would call. The way that I loved my own children, if my dad loved me that way, he would want to make this right. And I thought, maybe just give it some time, and it'll all blow over. It doesn't. What you have to do is you have to choose to forgive. I'm not gonna hang on to this anymore. I'm not gonna hope that this goes away. I'm choosing to release this pain and release the other person of what they owe me. You see, forgiveness is releasing someone of the debt that they owe you. (laughs) Again, if we go back to the cycle of hurt, someone does me wrong. They now owe me something. Apology, restitution, something. Forgiveness is saying, you don't owe me anything. We're even. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying, hey, that debt that I have that you owe me, I'm canceling that debt and we're just moving on. That's what forgiveness looks like. You see, you and I had a debt with God of all of our running, running tally of our sin. And you know what he said? Because of what Jesus has done, all of this is forgiven. Canceling your sin debt that you owe, now we're even. Not because of what you've done, but because of what the other person's done. Jesus. So when we forgive and we choose to cancel someone's debt, hey, you don't owe me anything any longer. We're even. I'm not forgiving that person based on what they've done. I'm forgiving that person based on what Jesus has done for me. That's the key. Canceling the other person's debt because of what Jesus has done for me. You see, many times we want justice. We want someone to bring restitution. How do you give back a boy who was sexually molested by a family member? How do you give him back his innocence? How do you make that right? You don't. How do you make right a husband who beats his wife? You don't. How do you make right a drunk driver who kills a child? There's no way to bring restitution. There's no way to make that right. There's no way to bring justice to the situation. The only answer is biblical forgiveness. That's the only way to make this right, is to say, hey, I have been forgiven by Jesus and I choose to forgive you. You see, forgiveness is what I have received and it's what I must extend. I've received forgiveness and I have to extend it to someone else. Uh, Author and pastor Andy Stanley says, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. 
You see, sometimes we feel like, well, if I forgive them, I'm just letting them off the hook. If I forgive that person, then I'm just giving them a pass. No, no, no. Forgiveness is just saying, hey, I didn't deserve forgiveness, but I choose to give it to you anyways. I I didn't deserve what Jesus did for me, but I'm so thankful and so grateful that I'm just gonna pass that along to you even though you don't deserve it either. But you see, forgiveness is only possible with God's help. You can't do this on your own. You need the Lord's help. Again, if you went back to Galatians 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. These things are required to be able to forgive the way that Jesus forgives. You can't manufacture these. You can't do it on your own. You need the Lord's help. Pastor and author Charles Stanley wrote this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is liberating, but it's also sometimes painful. It's liberating because we're freed from the heavy load of guilt, bitterness, and anger we've been harboring within. It's painful because it's difficult to have to face ourselves, God, and others with our failures. It seems easier to blame others and go on defending our position of being right even though we continue to hurt, but the poison of an unforgiving spirit that permeates our entire lives, separating us from God and our friends, can never be adequately defended. It's devastating to our spiritual, emotional well-being and to our physical health. Have you ever been so angry, so bitter with someone that you couldn't even eat? Like that to me is like next level. I always want to eat, right? There have been like, I can count on both hands the number of times I sat down and didn't want to eat. But you've been so angry, so devastated that you just want to throw up. If you hang on to that, it begins to affect not only your spiritual, emotional well-being, but your physical well-being and the relationships of every single person around you. You can't afford it. You need the Lord's help to do that. Final thoughts this morning. How can we re-gift forgiveness at Christmas time? First of all, confess and repent from any unforgiveness. You got anger, you got bitterness, confess it today. Let go of it. Choose to forgive. You say, well, this person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. I know that's why it's called grace and forgiveness. They don't deserve it. But choose today. I'm not going to hang on to this anymore. God's commanded me to forgive the way that Jesus forgave, and I must choose to do that. Secondly, confess and repent from any bitterness. Hey, you want to know if you're bitter? Ask the people that know you best. You think I'm a bitter person? You know, I thought that whenever I was hurt, I thought that this was just me crusading for right, crusading for justice. But you know what I found? My wife told me I was really short. I was really angry. I was bitter. I saw everything through a negative lens now. And it didn't just hurt me. It hurt the people around me. It caused me to question things that should have never been questioned. Choose to forgive those who've hurt you. I want to be very clear. Choosing to forgive someone doesn't mean that you have to call them up or write them a letter. Nine times out of ten, that's usually a bad idea. Hey, I just wanted to call. You remember two Christmases ago, you told me that I looked fat in that sweater that I was wearing. I just want to let you know I forgive you of that. (laughs) That conversation probably isn't going to be what you're looking for, just to let you know. But you know what? Choosing to forgive doesn't mean I'm going to reach out to that person and tell them that I forgave them. You know, when I called my dad, part of me on the the other end of the phone was wondering, if I tell my dad that I forgive him, is he going to say, forgive me for what? I didn't do anything wrong. Oh, that would make it worse, wouldn't it? But I was prepared for that if that's what it came to because I wanted to forgive because I couldn't bear it any longer. And so choosing to forgive doesn't mean that you write a letter, doesn't mean that you make a phone call. You might need to write a letter for yourself and at the end, just burn it. Say what you need to say, get it all out, choose to forgive, release that person of what they owe you and just move on. But choosing to forgive It's a choice that only you can make and it's not determined based on what the other person does. The easiest way to make sure that we never wind up here is to extend grace when the offenses come. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath isn't just a cute Bible saying. Hey, when I get hurt today, I'm gonna choose to forgive today. 
When my wife says something that hurts me deeply, I'm gonna choose right away to forgive her and give her grace and just move on. She's had a rough week. She's tired. She didn't mean to say that. I'm just gonna forgive and move on. You know why? Because Jesus gives me grace. He gives me forgiveness. And you know what? My wife gives me a ton more grace than I ever give her, that's for sure. Can you imagine being married to me? That must be awful. But when the offense comes, choose to extend grace. Final thought, model forgiveness and graciousness to point other people to Jesus. It's choosing to forgive ahead of time. And people say, well, how could you forgive somebody like that? Hey, let me just tell you about the greatest story of forgiveness ever. That's what Jesus did for me. It's easy for me to forgive other people because I realize what I've been forgiven from. We took a look at the last, last week the man who was forgiven his debt by the king of a year's wages. And he was forgiven, then he immediately went out and found a guy who owed him a couple of bucks, grabbed him by the throat, threw him in prison. That's the opposite of what we're commanded to do. Oh, no, I've been forgiven so much. I've been given so much. God not only forgave my sin, but he became my father. God not only forgave my sin, but he gave me a home in heaven. God not only forgave my sin, but he gave me inside the Holy Spirit. Oh, my word. I can forgive you for being a jerk. I can forgive you for being ugly. I can forgive you for the hurt that I've received because Jesus has forgiven me so much. And now I have a model of how to forgive. The most important thing in the world is if you're here today and you don't know for sure that heaven's your home when you die. If there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, know this, you are not forgiven of your sin. God still has an account of every sin you've ever done in your entire life, and you are held responsible for that 100%. But if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior and repent of your sin, which means to turn from and turn to Christ, you can be forgiven of that. That sin debt would be canceled, and you can become a child of God today. But for those of us that are already children of God, our sin debt was canceled and forgiven a long time ago. But how about the forgiveness that you extend to others? You're still giving out that grace? Still handing out that forgiveness? Or are you hanging on to somebody, to some hurt that you've got until somebody makes it right? Just know this, the only person that can make that hurt right is Jesus. Trust him with it. Release that person of the debt that they owe you and begin to live today in the joy that God has given you as his child.